Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Well, please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and if you're new to the Bible, that's like the first page of the Bible. So turn there, Genesis chapter 1. Today is kind of the final of our uh, three Sundays on uh, a life, the practices that, of a leaning in people. And today it's refueling in the Lord and living life on rhythm. Now, in speaking of rhythm, um, I think there's a way to help us uh, maybe understand this better and see it better. And that's not by me singing or by me doing rhythm, because I am not rhythmic. All right? Instead, we have a team who is. And I thank you for that. And uh, Pastor Nick, in talking with him this week about rhythm, he was telling me and helping me understand that the bass drum sets the tone for the rhythm of things, and things build on that. Kind of take us through that, of how that works, because you know, not me. Yeah, all of music needs a foundation, and uh, a foundation of rhythm is definitely a part of that, and one way to uh, have a foundation of rhythm is to get that kick going. And uh, so Andy gives us this nice, steady beat like all good drummers do. He doesn't speed up. He doesn't slow down and gives us a nice foundation. Is this like another one bites the dust? No, it's not another one bites the dust. No, it's not. It's not. Interesting. (laughs) Did I just Um, blow that? No, it's okay. It's okay. But Neil Neil will come in and he brings in the next kind of foundational rhythm piece of what we have. Brings in the low end and gives us a nice foundation for everybody else to come in around him and so we'll start to get some pad going and uh, and then uh, Rob will come in with a little bit of a melody that comes in and you can kind of hear that coming but still you feel and sense that bass drum that's just constant all the time nothing's changed and then he'll even add some more rhythm to it just to just to vary it up a little bit you can still hear that foundational rhythm coming on behind it Now, help us understand, if you guys can, because you guys are pretty talented, help us understand life or like off rhythm. Yeah, no, no rhythm. Yeah, no rhythm. So he doesn't play anything and we just start and you just kind of, and then everybody just kind of does whatever they want whenever they want and we'll see how that goes. call that jazz. (laughs) I just offended some people. (laughs) Um, Okay, so taking that, uh, I like the former better than the latter. Uh, uh, On rhythm versus off rhythm. Let's kind of take this picture. Thanks, everybody. And uh, let's go to Genesis chapter one, all right? And uh, let's go here because... uh, Friends, I am convinced Genesis chapter one contains, in, in, in the cadence of it, in the language of it, it contains a clear sense of rhythm from the very beginning in creation. And uh, uh, l- let's, let's work this out and uh, see how there is a life that is built on rhythm. And uh, let's start in Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, in the what? In the beginning, God, it's Elohim. By the way, it's so interesting. It's plural right there. Elohim, plural. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
the first thing we see in uh, the Bible, in God's word, is that we are told that there is a divine creator who created everything. There is a divine creator that created everything. And and then as chapter one unfolds, verses two through 31, we are told, uh, we are shown in the language and the movement that there is a cadence that happens here. And, and I would, in my own words, describe the cadence this way, and I'll show you here. It's God said something, and then there was something, and then God saw that something, and then God wrapped that something up. Uh, follow with me. You can see in verse three, and God said, let there be light. There is this idea of God said something. And then if you carry that all all the way on, you can see that cadence, that first movement on each of these movements. Uh, God said, let there be light, let there be expanse, let there be the plants, let there be galaxies, let there be living creatures in the sea and on land, let there be mankind. And, And you can see that all the way through. It begins with that cadence. Then after God said something, uh, there was something. In other words, the language, if you were to follow this all through, it says, and it was so. Or the other term, and there was, or so God created. Those three terms are throughout here after each of the gods said something. God spoke, and then there was. And then the third thing is God saw something in each of these movements. It says that God saw. God saw in verse 4, in verse 10, in verse 12, in verse 18, in verse 21, in verse 25. And it says that God saw that it was good. By the way, I don't have... I just don't have the the time today to build on this, but I just want to note this. There is, through this cadence, there is a moment upon which God is like, this is good. This is good. God spoke, and then there was something, and this is good. And it keeps carrying through on this cadence through these through this, these days of creation. And then number four, it says on each one of these, it's wrapped up. There's evening and there's morning on that day. There's a creation cadence. That's the point of it. A lot of you are like, let's dig into the, is it seven literal days or evolution? I'm not there. That's not where we're going today. We're missing something in that conversation that is core and foundational to the whole movement. There is a cadence that is happening here. We'll probably have that conversation in 2020 when we go through the first 12 chapters of Genesis. Right now here we're taking a look at this movement. God saw and then we come and then we see it verse 31. Look at verse 31, end of chapter one. And God saw, and it changes. It changes here at the end of this sixth day of creation. It's because it says God saw everything. It doesn't say that in any of the prior movements. But here, now God sees everything that he had made, and behold, it was not just good, but even in the languages, it was very good. There's like an exclamation point being put on this creation day number six. It is everything, and it is very good. The crescendo builds over the cadence of what's happening here. And then all of a sudden, in chapter two, there's this, I'll call it an unlike beat in the cadence. Let me read verses one through three in chapter two. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished Okay, one more wording here that tells us that that what was happening is now done. It's finished. And all the hosts of them, verse two, and on the seventh day, God finished his work. What was his work, by the way? His work was creating things. By the way, don't get too wrapped up in our own little understanding of work, like my my job that I have. Uh, God here is in this term here, God is creating, and, and when he finished his work, uh, and seventh day, uh, that he had done, and he what? You tell me, what does it say next? And he rested. That's an interesting term. God rested. On the seventh day, from all of his work that he had done, verse three, so God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God finished his work, and then he shabbated. He shabbathed. 
is the language. That sounds interesting. So what is God doing on this seventh day? He rested. When we think of rest, we think of why do you rest? You rest because you're tired, because you're worn out, because uh, was God tuckered? Well, no, because Psalm uh, 121.4 says, he who watches over Israel will never sleep or slumber. Isaiah 40, verse 28, he does not grow tired or weary. If that's the case then, in the cadence of it all, what does God rested then mean? Well, essentially it means this. The word carries this idea that God stopped. God stopped. He ceased his work and he stopped. Six create days, one stop day. By the way, my application today is not going to be everyone should have a full 24 hour day. I'm bigger picture than that right now. I want to get at your heart and understanding what's going on. Why that? Because God's got a hold of my heart. And I'm seeing this like I've never seen it before in my own life. I've always heard, take a day off, take a rest. Wait, wait, something is more going on here. A couple things before I answer the question of what God did. Genesis 2, it said God blessed the stop day. God blessed it. That's cool. God just said, like, blessed. Uh, uh, Then, also, secondly, God made it holy. Holy. Whenever you hear the word holy, we sang the word holy, it means set apart. The song, holy, 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 it's set apart, set apart, set apart is God. It's that idea of it. And so here, God in this, he, he says, he sets it apart. He christened the stop day. It's a blessed thing. It's a good thing. And and, and God sets it apart. It's to be unlike the other days. By the way, one of the things that's really interesting to me, and I've actually read through the text. Really, I did. There is no directive saying, thus you shall do, here in Genesis There is no directive of God saying, this is what I did here in Genesis. And then God saying, thus you do. I think God is in a bigger picture here. He's setting a pattern. Listen, what am I talking about? You have to understand in creation, we tend to think of creation as just the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the the Spirit, and the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is the one, uh, John chapter one, which was read, Colossians chapter one, is the agent of creation. All things were created by him, through him, for him. And so as the Godhead is involved in this whole creation of it, we kind of think of just the physical because we're very physical. And we think of the the, the God-sized universe that we have been placed in. We think of the place that we are created. We think of all of the things of the people that are created. But we forget one of the things that the Godhead created at the time of creation. And at the time of creation, the Godhead created time. So that God, I don't know, this is, this is eternity past. So the Godhead is in perfect relationship in eternity past. Not lonely, not looking for something to do. Not like we're in need to fill our love cup. None of that going on. But the Godhead, and for the Godhead's purposes, decide to create as we know creation. And a Godhead that is existing in eternity past, which you and I cannot even begin to understand. Because as you travel back, the line has to end somewhere, doesn't it? No. As the Godhead in eternity past comes to this point in God's entire redemptive eternity plan, creates everything that we know, and part of what he creates is time. A timeless God creates time. I don't know, for me, that was very profound in my growth in the last month or two. 
That means a whole number of things. God is moving things through time, and eventually it will fall back into non-time called eternity. But during this time, God in it creating not only the physics of things and the humanity of things, God has created time. And within this, he provides this cadence that provides an opportunity for time to have a framework to it. And here's the quinky dink in it all. We still live by it. In fact, grab your phone. Yeah, you can grab your phone. It's all right. It's all right. You, you can grab your phone and you can go and, and use, at least in mine, in the top left, there's a thing called calendar. Go there, seriously, go there. Um, now, you got stuff going on this week, okay, pass that. Go, go to the bigger calendar and you see the months there. Oh, by the way, <laughs> there's seven days a week, aren't there? How interesting is that? I, I Googled this week who invented the calendar. It doesn't go back to Genesis 1. But Google is not God's word. Whoa, that blew everybody's mind right there. (laughs) God created time. And you and I live within that time. And a loving God created time and didn't just leave us to figure out even how everything spins and moves. At the very time of creation, God created a time frame. And within this time frame, it has a cadence that goes beat, 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 unbeat. It is... Create, 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 stop. Now, for different ones of us at different times in our life, we're in different physical capacities, work capacities, we're in different places of even potentially mental capacities or so on and so forth with that. And so the whole idea here out of creation is God has imaged, created us in his image, created us in such a way that we would work, 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 By the way, I'm not just talking job. But what I'm really focusing on today is the unwork. And I've come to realize by kind of being taken to the shed by God that it's not work, 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 repeat and repeat, 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 and repeat for the last 20 years of my life. Totally transparent with you. There is an intended beat that is to take place And the cadence of that beat includes stop. Stop and have an unlike time. An unlike time that is an unlike soul time. By the way, friends, I'm not just talking about devotional things. I'm talking about what I'm coming to see is that no, God intends for us just to stop and be with. And in my mind, someone who enjoys working, someone who enjoys his work, someone who has an oversense of responsibility, to be frank about it and be very transparent with you about it, just keeps going and going and going and carrying and carrying and carrying and the head never stops. And when things are out of rhythm, it's a problem. So back to the question. So what did God do on this stop day? Aren't you wondering that? What question might you have? What did, thank you. Let's take a look. Um, 
turn to the book of Exodus. Here's one of the really things that's interesting to me. There is no divine directive given to follow this cadence all the way until Exodus. All the way until Exodus. Some over 700 years past Abraham. Exodus 16, verse 23. This is the time when God is giving the manna to his people who have come out of Egypt and they're walking in the desert and they're, gee, this is unusual. God's people are complaining. And so God lays out, it tells us in Exodus 16, 23, that he lays out six days of manna and a seventh day as a day of solemn rest, a set-apart Shabbat to the Lord day. This is really the first tie to the creation cadence. That intrigues me, by the way, but I don't have time to go there. Then, Exodus 20, verse 8. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments, and it's the fourth commandment where Moses brings and tells God's people, it's written in stone, remember the Shabbat, Shabbat day, to keep it holy, to keep it set apart. This is really the, the first clear directive to God's people at that point in time. Genesis 1 and 2 doesn't contain the divine call, but actually we begin seeing this taking place. So what did God do when he rested then in all of this? Uh, let me say it, two things, I think. Number one, I've already said it, to stop. To stop. The word in the Hebrew carries this idea, both in Genesis back there as well as in Exodus. It carries the idea, not only did God stop, but now God says, hey, my people, stop. Shabbat. It means to cease, to stop, to cease and desist the, the cadence of the prior days. It follows back. There's, there's, there's beat, 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 uh, another beat, 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 and then there's an unlike beat in the rhythm, in the cadence of it all. Stop, musically, this day is to sound differently than the prior days, if you will. Architecturally, this day is to look different than the prior. It's to be like house, 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 and then, whoa, that's a house that's unlike the other houses. If you're talking calendar terms, that uh, time is to be scheduled differently than the other days, not just called differently. In soul terms, the soul goes somewhere differently. It's a stop day. Secondly, it's a refuel day. It's a refuel time. Turn to Exodus 31. Exodus 31. In Exodus 23... It says, six days and you shall rest that your ox and donkey and servants may rest. It's not only just for the person, but it's for the whole. And then it says, and be refreshed. And then in Exodus 31, verse 17, it says this. Look at this. What did God do on the stop cadence? It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the seventh day he rested. Well, we already know that. No, keep going. And was refreshed. How interesting. God wasn't tired. God wasn't like at the drawing board going, man, this whole universe thing, this is baffling me. Kind of having a hard time. That wasn't going on. It's just like God said and it was. And it was good. But here in it, on this unlike time, God steps back and he sees all of it and it refreshes him. God is refreshed by what's all out there. This is good. This is glorious. This is 
fantastic. And that includes all of the physics creation, all of the humanity of creation, and that includes all of the time of creation created. And the Godhead just takes it in. The Lord said to Job in Job 38, He said, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Listen, friends, I think this is a passage that gives us even more insight into when, when, when creation is done, creation and even the angelic hosts sing together and shout together over the gloriousness of it all. I would even say, not only is the Godhead refreshed, but all of creation and all of the angelic hosts are refreshed. So I wonder what this unlike day should do. How about refresh you and I in the Lord? Friends, I believe that this is the bass drum upon which all of time in our lives is to be built upon. And you take that out and everything starts going haywire. And you begin wondering, What's God doing? What's happening? Look at the news. Look at the world. Look at my job. Look at my relationships. Everything's falling apart. It just seems like crazy. And yet, when this time of sitting down and beholding who God is and what God has done in a time frame, in, in, in some dedicated time of beholding who God is, begins to refresh so that we can go back to the cadence again. And then we're refreshed to continue in the God-directed divine cadence. And then refresh. Got the picture? And I have not been doing that. And that's going to change. And I call you as well. Because I believe our souls and our heads are so noisy whether it's overwhelmed in work or life. Our souls in our heads are so noisy and never stopping and never coming to a point to where we stop and sit in the Lord. to be renewed and refreshed and refueled. Speaking of refueled, Karen and I went on a sabbatical, many of you know, and thank you. All of this is coming out of this. And by the way, all of what's been going on these three weeks is so raw for me. So raw. We went on a sabbatical. And um, we pulled a camper in our truck for over 7,000 miles. Now for you truckers, you're like, that's nothing. For us non-truckers, holy moly, that's a lot of miles. It was for me. Karen and I had no family meeting together to go, you know what, we should probably have a rhythm 
in how this traveling works. We never had a sit down and going, um, should we stop for gas? We never had the thing like, you know what? Let's just wing it. No. Even before we left here, on Sunday, August 4th or 5th, two hours later than we had hoped, like everybody's life, we left with a full tank. Not an empty, not quarter full, not half full, not three quarters full, but we left with a full tank because, gee, that would seem like the smart thing to do, wouldn't it? And so we left with a full tank and we started heading west. And we were watching our energy over that time. In fact, we had planned out stops in advance. A friend of ours told us when they were traveling long distance with their camper uh, uh, heading out west, they, they used Love's, the Love's gas station. And the reason they used that is because it's bigger and it's not just some little, you know, BP, small BP kind of place or something where you don't have room to pull in. It. It's designed for larger vehicles and trucks and so forth. So we're like, oh, there's a good idea. It's probably best to plan for more like truck stops areas. So not only did we have a plan, but we had a plan where we were going to go. And so we knew that when we came to the the rest stop and we gassed up that we knew that in about 150 miles, eyes better be considering gas because at running total for the whole trip, we were doing 11 miles a gallon. Big supporter of big oil. Um, <laughs> and so in that, we knew at about 150, we better be looking. We knew at 200, we really better be looking. We knew if I just like didn't care, I knew there would be problems in the car. <laughs> and I knew that it would lead to some bad places, like alongside the road, out of gas, frustrated, discouraged. We had a plan for stops. Not having a plan was a bad rhythm. The hauling days varied as well. Some were straight and without wind, others were uphill and with wind. Some were 65 miles an hour, some were 60 miles an hour. By the way, the 60 miles an hour was when we got further out west and the speed limit is 80. Yeah, I'm the guy with the white hair and beginning a beard and in a car and a camper going 60 while everyone else is going about 85 plus. And they're looking going, old guy. And then he's got Indiana plates. <laughs> and the further you get out west, they're like, yeah, we got you guys all figured out. But I'm telling you, there was such an illustration in that for me. Because over 65, and it just was not as stable. And so we just said it. And we were in it for the long haul. And they just flew by. And we stopped for gas. And we would refuel. Friends, why do we not plan for stops in our lives? Living life on rhythm includes strategic, unlike stops to be refueled. Maybe you're welcome to disagree with me on this, but I actually think the wrong question to ask, particularly in ministry arena, is did you take a day off this week? I don't think that's the right question. I don't even think the right question is do you practice a Sabbath day? I don't even think that's the point. Instead, I think the better question is, is are you living life on rhythm? Are you? And I realize there are seasons of time. For me, when I was working on my doctorate, it was just like insane, the amount of time going on. And sometimes there are seasons of that, but that is still, you cannot do that and still avoid the stop. And I did. 
And I'm seeing why I got to where I was. And no more of that. Because it's not living life on God's divine rhythm. If I were to sum it up, I would sum it up this way. A God-imaging life on rhythm, here's the recipe. Six, pouring yourself and your soul out for God's glory. One, refueling yourself and your soul in God's glory. I'm honestly not so even big on the days, on the week, that it's got to be six days in a day of, of Shabbat. That's not even the point here. There's a rhythm. And in it, there is a pouring out because we oftentimes don't even talk about the work part of it. In fact, Tim Keller this week, he tweeted on that. He said, you will not have a meaningful life without work, but you will lose yourself if you say work is the meaning of your life. Work does matter. And by the way, I'm not just talking about career. God has created us to be pouring out people. Why? Because he is a pouring out God. And God has designed us to pour out and pour out and pour out and to pour out and pour out and pour out and then to stop. And to stop and in the rhythm of it all have this movement and this cadence where it's not just pouring out, but it's refreshing in. Pouring out for God's glory and refreshing in God's glory. Life is built to be built on a God-imaging rhythm and well-intentioned pouring out, always hauling, never refueling, drowns out the cadence of the bass drum that everything else is built upon. And I am concerned that my life is not the rarity. That actually God's people are not taking time to stop and to have in the cadence of life to shut it off and shut it down and sit with the Lord. Christopher Ash says how strange it is for us to be proud of our energy and ability. Friends, we are not God. We need to stop. And God images that for us. Burns, Chapman, and Guthrie says this paragraph. A pattern of work and renewal is built into God's design for our world. The root idea behind the word rest is simply to quit, to take a break, to cool it. At the heart of rest is stopping to surrender to God in trust. We imitate God by stopping. We give up control and trust God to run his world without us. And then they say, to stop bears witness to the way we understand life, its rhythms, its gifts, its meanings, and its ultimate purpose in God. Newport says, learn to have a little disconnectedness within the connected world. Man, we just gotta know what's going on. We just gotta know what's going on. And if we miss out on something, well, then we're disconnected. Hallelujah. We need some disconnection in a vastly connected world. Cordero says, plan your rest with activities that fill your tank and change the pace. Why? Because it's refreshing. 
Murray says, build some speed bumps to slow you down and quiet your heart and mind. And there's nothing more irritating than speed bumps. Going through a neighborhood, don't you just want to floor it? But you know if you floor it, some wheels may be left behind. And let me wrap it up with maybe some practical application here. I've told you that I came back from sabbatical wanting to use these three sermons kind of as a way to share with you who have allowed Karen and I and some of the other pastors after 10 years to be able to go on an extended break and to get our souls stopped. By the way, ministry is a lifestyle, it's not a career. And there's a component of that that we just need to stop it. If you were to come behind the ministry world, I promise you, there is this unending idolatry that seems to be growing in our world for pastors, particularly senior pastors, to become CEOs and celebrity pastors. And I'm out with it. And there's this thing to go and go and go and go, and you know it too in your life. There's this expectation. There's this thing. Real people, real men, real women never stop. Well, now you've been confronted with God's word. God's men and God's women do stop. And we need some speed bumps. So let me finish with a few. Three questions to be asking yourself. What is your understanding? What is your understanding? What is your understanding about you and living on rhythm? Everyone around you may be seeing what's going on in your life that you don't stop, that you just never end, that you keep going, or your mind doesn't stop. But God has a way of working to where we get to a point where we begin to pay attention, when we begin to get desperate. And so God allows us to get desperate and go to a point to where we're so desperate that we actually have to lay ourselves before him where he takes us out to the woodshed. And I just ask, are you understanding what's going on in the life rhythm of your life? Have you, been think, have you thought about that? I would also ask, are you understanding what God has to say about a life rhythm of what we've been talking about today? Genesis 1 and 2 puts a pattern. God created time and there's a pattern to that that's intended to be seen and it's also intended to be carried into life. It's not just words. It adds grand meaning in how we do life. And along with that, in understanding God, do you realize Isaiah 55 says the Lord is not a standoff God. The Lord actually says, come. I want you to come. Come, everyone who is thirsty. Come. Come to the waters without money, without price. Come. Buy wine. Buy milk. Come. Eat with me. Lean into me. Uh, hear me. Uh, listen, I want you to come and feast with me. Listen, the Lord is not far off. The Lord is saying, come. Would you just shut your mind off? And would you just sit your can down? And would you just like hang? Is that too cruel? Am I pushing too hard? But we are busy, 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 busy. And everyone around it could see it in my life. But I wasn't willing to listen. And frankly... I just couldn't handle one more thing. And maybe that's you. And I just want to invite you. Come learn with me. Understand yourself, understand your God. Second question is, what is your life structure? What is your life structure? When was the last time you sat down and thought through what's going on with your life structure? For me, it's been living off, off rhythm. So, I can even just tell you this. I've been implementing some steps for physical exercise. Even in light of some things coming up, we'll be talking with you about ministry here. It actually has some application. I've been learning what it is to read fun books. 
I never knew there was such a thing. All books for me growing up were assignments and tasks. No fun. I've actually read novels. They're kind of fun. Just being able to go somewhere else has been helpful for me personally. In my personal life, I'm working to change the cadence. Maybe in your work life structure. I realize that we don't always have control of what that looks like, but I'm going to press into you and say, I think you have more control than you know. And it may not be which hours, which days, but it may be how you think and view your work. Because by the way, your work matters to the Lord. And we should be the kind of people that are pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out at our work. But in the work-life structure, consider what's going on. I'm just even in my work week, I'm completely rearranging what's going on. I'm trying to take steps to stop and looking for Friday to be that day. Monday for me is sermon prep with a couple hours left. Tuesdays for me are admin days where I'm actually available to the staff now. Wednesday and Thursday are sermon prep days with a couple hours extra. Friday are stop days. Saturdays I come in to the office in the morning just going over sermon, finishing off for part of the day. I'm working to restructure. Maybe you do as well. And lastly, babe, can I have a chair? By the way, if this sermon gets up online and someone wants to know that was my wife I was just talking to. This chair has been um, where God's grabbed a hold of me while we've been away. And uh, I want to encourage you to consider unique spot, a unique chair with unique time. And here's a prayer, in fact three, a prayer of placement. God, I am here. I am here in this chair. I have my Bible and maybe a biography of some others who have uh, done life in the Lord. And I'm here, and I'm here for the next 30 minutes, or I'm here for the next hour, or I'm here for the next two hours. TV's off, phone's away, no calendar in front of me. I'm just here. Because I've come to understand that one of the things you want for me to do is just place myself with you. And I don't even know what that looks like right now, but I just want you to know, Lord, I am placing myself here. And second, a prayer of permission. God, you now have permission, it's official on the table, that you can do work in me. I'm not gonna hold back, I'm not gonna press it. I'm not gonna tell you what it should be, but God, I'm just gonna sit here. And I'm gonna read in your word, I'm gonna read about other people, and I'm just gonna, Spirit of God, do a work in me, and I give you permission to do that. And if that work is gonna take six months, fine. I let you do that work. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, It is he who works in you to will and to work for his good service. Let me say that one more time. It is he who works in you to will and to work for his good service. By the way, that means you don't sit in this chair and go, I'm going to get myself amped up for the Lord more. Well, last Sunday, we talked about resting in the Lord. No, Lord, I am here, and you are the one that gives rest. And I'm placing myself here, and God, I ask, give me rest. And God, I ask, you do a work in me to will and to want for you. Because I'm not going to psych myself up. I want to be dependent on you. Prayer of placement, a prayer of permission, and a prayer of refreshment. And God, in this, refresh me. Refresh me. 
I'll let you define what that is, when that is, how that is. I'll just say this. I've not been a good sitter. I'm busy in my head all the time. I am that squirrel. And being forced by you to have no responsibility and nothing to do other than just get out of here. The best thing that happened was sitting in his chair. I have not been a good example to you of what it means to be someone on cadence, living in rhythm. And that's changing. I want to finish with you having seen a guy who's living back in with the rhythm. Not for my glory, but for your encouragement. For the Lord's glory. Because I'm desperate. Lord, I'm going to let you take it from there. It's kind of been three weeks of testimonial. And I ask for you to work it. God, I don't know what's going on in people's lives, where they're at, what's happening. But I pray that we as a busy culture as noisy people would get back on rhythm. People who pour ourselves and our souls out, man, we work hard, we serve hard, we love hard. But also as a people who get to the point where we stop. and we pour ourselves into you and we rest there and get refreshed there. Slow us down. Because this is about life with you. Martha, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things but you are missing the one thing. Please sit and be with me.